Mr. Beast content. I did see the new Mr. Beast video, yeah. I, I skipped it initially, but I had nothing else to watch, so I ended up watching it. There was nothing about that, in that video that was interesting to me. To put it another way, Mr. Beast video was literally, hey, you know all those videos where we fucked up this other person's house? I'm doing that again. You know that viral video of that guy using all that toothpaste or whatever to make that explosion thing? Yeah, I'm, I'm doing that too. So I'm combining them both together. I was like, okay, but I've seen both those things already. Cool. Like as a person who's getting your house screwed up by Mr. Beast, like I'm sure the first time that he did that, uh, there was probably a general re genuine reaction of, oh my God, you actually fucked up my house. What the hell? But it's, it's, it's been done enough times that anyone who has that happening is just like, oh my God, I'm getting a new house. Hell yeah. Wait a second, Mr. Beast fucked up my car? I'm getting a new car! You know? Like, I just mean, Mr. Beast, Beast has a gimmick. And it's it's interesting, but it's been the same gimmick for a while now. Someone before was saying Mr. Beast is running out of ideas because he's made a gaming channel. I don't think that's necessarily true. Once you're that size, I mean, I don't know why you wouldn't have a gaming channel. You could play a game for an hour, give it to an editor, and it would, you'd get like a hundred grand, you know? Unless you didn't like games. Like once you have an, a big enough fan base who just want to see you do anything, really what you just need is something that you can quickly do to make fairly interesting content with, and gaming is that. My rambles being out of date. The, the annoying thing about my rambling series is that it's always really out of date. Because most of the rambles these days come from Oko, and it usually takes like a month for Oko to be fully processed or whatever. Certainly, uh, a lot of the commentary is somewhat either timeless or not time sensitive. So it's a topic that even after a month will still be somewhat relevant. But especially when it comes to politics or um, you know, just any any current event thing, that especially developing stories, the rambling ramblings become um, less relevant or less interesting to listen to because they've been said without the information that's come out for the last month. Of course, the the commentary on finite stories, as in like it's an event that's occurred that there is nothing that develops on it. While those while that commentary will still be relevant and potentially correct or incorrect or whatever the hell it will be. By that point, most people will have heard everyone speak on that topic, so it's potentially less interesting. But there's not much that can be done about that. Why I want crossplay between GTA Online for PC and for consoles. Matt, can you further explain what you said about GTA crossplay on Twitter? I, I was just making a joke. His name Sonny Evans made a comment where he's like, they should never enable crossplay between PC and consoles. Because Rockstar can't handle the hackers at all on PC, it's goddamn insane, and it would just leak over to consoles or whatever. And so I like this, and I retweeted it, and I said, no, 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 better idea. Enable crossplay, which will mean all the hackers will annoy all the console people, the console people will complain, but the hackers will flood the console area, whatever, with hacked money, ruining the economy, eating into, eating into the sales of shark cards, and the end result of that would be either GTA Online would fail because it wouldn't be getting enough money or all the complaining would mean that Rockstar would finally have to make um, actual servers as opposed to peer-to-peer. -peer. When you have actual servers, you can defend against hackers and stuff and the, the gameplay experience for everyone is, is infinitely better. And so either we'd get a better GTA Online 
or GTA 6 will be sped along because GTA Online would fail. It's it's win-win as far as I'm concerned. I would love for them to enable crossplay. They would never do it because I'm sure they would realize what would happen just as much as I realize. You know, what do you what do you want me to more explain? Wait, so you can't play with someone if you've got a PC and they have PS4? Yeah, that's exactly right. There is no crossplay between PC and console. It's why PC has all the hackers and the the mod money and stuff, and so Rockstar doesn't pay as much attention to the PC space. Because uh, any mechanisms they put in to try to block hackers, you know, cost them dev time and cost them, you know, it, it's a huge headache for them trying to defend against hackers. But on consoles, they're harder to hack. It's a, it's a lot more of a closed system, you know? So it's why there's less hackers, if any, or whatever, on console. And so there's less hacked money, which means more shark card sales. But can you play on Xbox One or so on PS4? I'm not sure. I don't know how that works. I don't play consoles. What was funny, though, was someone responded to that comment, and they were like, I hear this all the time, talking about having servers for GTA Online. But come on, think of how, like, is that even possible? How hard that would be. Like, think of all the cars that people could be driving. And there's like, what, 30 people per lobby or whatever? And, and all the variants in different cars and properties? That's a lot of things to be in a server. I don't think it's possible. And I just, you look at this person and go, dude, have you ever played an MMO? Like, ever? There are MMOs with infinite complexity compared to GT Online, and they have like thousands of people in singular servers at any given time. What do you mean? What are you, what are you even talking about? I mean, they're, they're certainly changing a lot of things, Doc, with the expanded and enhanced. If they're, if they're separating the single player and GT Online, it means they have to be changing the GT Online sub, sub, substantially. Let's just hope it leads to a better gameplay performance, uh, you know, experience overall. Are they just lazy? No, they just don't believe there's a significant return on investment. As in, it would cost a lot of money to make dedicated servers for GTA Online, and they don't believe there'd be sufficient sales to offset the cost. So, like, a lot of companies need dedicated servers because there's enough competition in the space that without them, they'd just be completely destroyed. Like, I'm sure, like, Call of Duty or whatever has dedicated servers. Because, like, imagine one shooter not having servers and another one having peer-to-peer. -peer. Like, you just get completely wiped out because the experience would be so much better with the dedicated servers than not. They'd be, uh, what have you, right? But there's no real competition for GTA 5. What else are you going to play that has the, even close to the same experience? Yeah, so there's not really anything. So there's no incentive for Rockstar to do that except um, the longevity of the company, which Rockstar does not give two shits about. Like, a lot of companies value good community sentiment, wanting to keep their brand pristine without um, massive criticism. But, like, you can see over the last seven years how the, the tides have kind of turned in terms of people's perception of Rockstar. Like, once upon a time, Rockstar was one of the, the AAA grade beloved companies. Everyone was like, yes, Rockstar's so good, they do everything right. And, and now everyone's like, everyone's like we know Rockstar's terrible. We play their games, but they are a garbage company. Whoever is making the decisions has looked at this situation and gone, eh, another dollar for servers to maintain our brand that we've we've had for decades? Uh, nah, fuck that shit. The suffering of the consumer base? Uh, nah, fuck that shit. Suffering untold for hundreds of thousands, millions of people for years on end? Ah, uh, fuck it, who cares? Sometimes, there can be benefits that aren't strictly revenue. The company's value to a greater or lesser extent and uh, Rockstar, Take-Two, whoever, they clearly just don't value the... Uh, if it isn't a dollar in the wallet, it has no value.
I don't draw a I don't draw a distinction really between Take Two and Rockstar. If Rockstar is unable to make any decisions by themselves, then Rockstar doesn't exist, and it's just Take Two. They're just synonyms. There is no true downtime as a YouTuber. A normal job, once you get home, you can relax, go back to work the next day. YouTuber's job is obviously different. When I used to work at Coles, um, I worked hard for the job that was there. Like I, I, even looking back, I probably worked harder than I really should have, considering it's just a a regular job, stacking fruit and stuff, did it for five years. Um, I took pride in my work. I, I, I take pride in basically everything I do. It was, I, I say it was very satisfying at the end of the night, stacking everything exactly perfectly and looking at the store and going, yeah, I did a good job. When I went home, my brain would switch off and I'd play World of Warcraft for like eight, six to eight hours. There wasn't a single consideration for what I should be spending with my, doing with my time or being productive or anything like that. It was just completely chill. I haven't had that experience in at least three to four years. There's always something I could be doing or improving or rendering or working on or writing or whatever. There's no time where there isn't something productive that I could be doing. It's probably one of the things that contributes to YouTuber burnout where, again, referencing tra trash taste, I, I feel, because I, 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 I binge watched a bunch of the episodes, so it's bring it up. Like they'll talk about how Watching anim anime for them now is different because they can't just sit there and, and enjoy it. They they think to themselves like, should this be content? Why am I not making it, this into content? Um, if I watch this, enjoy it, but I can't make content out of it, am I wasting my time? Should I be watching something else that I can potentially make into content? You know, like when your hobby becomes your job, you begin looking at your hobby differently. Like people ask me, why why don't you play games off stream or whatever? Because whenever I'm going to play a game off stream, I think to myself, why am I not streaming this? Why is this not content? Why am I not making this into content? I would say, however, that I think gaming on stream is more enjoyable than gaming off stream as well. It's why I don't relax by playing video games. I relax by watching TV shows or watching movies or watching other YouTube videos or whatever. Even while on some level, like I still think to myself when watching something like, oh, I should probably talk about this on stream tomorrow or something. It's a little bit more relaxing when I get time to do that stuff because uh, I don't have to worry about making content out of it. Monetizing your life doesn't seem healthy. Part of my life is monetized, you could say, my gaming part. It's hard to imagine people who vlog their lives where all of your life becomes content. Thinking about that is just like, there, there's not even the hypothetical dividing line between what becomes your content and what is your actual life. I think you just go crazy. Like, I don't have Instagram and stuff. Well, I do, but I don't, I don't like post stuff to it. Like when you're, the people who Instagram their entire lives, when your life is your content, I just think it'd be amazingly stressful. If you need to take a break, you can. If there's one thing I hate people telling me is, is that line. Like, I, obviously I know that. It not, it's not as though every moment of my day is necessarily f full of work. There is a, usually a handful of hours. So there's usually like, an hour or two before I go to sleep, and maybe an hour when I wake up, where I, uh, I still post on social media and stuff and worry about that stuff, but I don't, um, I can't say I'm being productive in that time. Mr. Beast for president and how wealthy he is. Do you see that Mr. Beast believes he might, in the future, eventually run for president? What is your take on this? I would like to know the context in which he said that. I hope that Mr. Beast doesn't believe himself to be somehow, uh, a particularly brilliant person or some such. Okay, let me rephrase. That Trump could be president 
kind of opens the door for literally anyone to be present. In the past, there was this belief that the present should embody, you know, to at least some degree, decorum, ethics, integrity, uh, intelligence. Like they, they, they're meant to be the best of what society has to offer. Uh, Trump, 180, that's something fierce. And that kind of increased the, the spectrum of people who could be presidents to, to certainly encompass Mr. Beast. Because Mr. Beast seems to be a fairly good guy. You can't know that for certain, because it is just uh, online, you can't really tell. But I mean, his humble beginnings and stuff, and his stuff uh, that I've seen before he was famous, suggest he was just, you know, a, a, a decent fella, right? But nothing suggests that Mr. Beast is a, is a particularly intelligent guy. He did not achieve his wealth in some manner that requires a great deal of intellect. The way that he achieved his success was, I suppose, luck, persistence, and hard work. Certainly being a good dude who's willing to work hard and is persistent, those are certainly traits you would probably want in a presence. Mr. Beast at least comes across fairly humble. So while perhaps not being like a genius himself, maybe he would be humble enough, unlike the current presence, to actually listen to the advice of experts. Yeah, I wouldn't mind Mr. Beast being president of the United States, honestly. Certainly, I don't think he would be the best man for the job, but uh, obviously the, the US could do a lot worse. It would really suck if it turned out in real life Mr. Beast was a complete arsehole. Kind of would, but you just never know. And fame and money changes people, you know? How many years ago? Was it like just three years ago or something that... It had to be more than that, right? When Mr. Beast was just counting to a million or whatever in his room. And this political co campaign is sponsored by Honey. <laughs> yeah. Probably what matters most with achieving fame and success is your belief in regards to how you achieved it. If you believe you did it all, your, all yourself in spite of others, you're probably not going to use your fame or success or what, what have you um, in the benefit of others. You know, spitefully hold on to it and never give back, you know. It's hard to imagine a, a YouTuber counting in their room to a million or whatever to come away with the conclusion that, oh, this success was entirely because of me, man, my ingenuity. Especially because, I mean, I guess as a content creator, you see the people who are supporting your success every day in the comments and stuff, and you, I guess in Mr. Beast's case, he actually directly meets his fans and stuff all the time. He isn't in a position of sitting in uh, some, you know, metaphoric ivory tower. He's, despite being as wealthy and famous as he is, he's still somewhat on the ground with everyday people. The fans he meets are paid actors? Really? I just don't understand how he gives away like probably 500k every video and does it quite often. Where does he get the money from? And when I watch a video, then the participants don't have a reaction to winning like 50 grand. Ah, uh, I disagree. On multiple levels there, he doesn't give away $500,000 every episode. Some episodes are far cheaper than that, but I think you might underestimate how much money Mr. Beast gets from uh, sponsorships and ad revenue. So last month, uh, let's see, the month of August, Mr. Beast got 500 million views. Let's say divide that by, let's say he has a CPM of uh, $3 per thousand views, which is probably an understatement. So that's, uh, well, like $1.5 million. And that's, and that's lowballing it. And in a month, how many sponsorships does he do? At his level of success, there's no way those sponsorships aren't worth at least 100k. Probably more than that. So you can probably, like, he probably does at least 15 sponsorships. So you can call that another 1.5 million. 
and that's three million dollars and then add on top of that merch and he invests and stuff yeah he's he's rolling in it like he's he's got a ridiculous amount of money he would also be able to deduct well like obviously tax deductions is it's not like free money or something right you'd rather have the money n with no tax than you would buy something you don't need like no no one's buying something they don't need to get a deduction right that is nonsense but ov obviously um if he just kept the five hundred thousand dollars rather than using it in a giveaway or something he wouldn't actually keep that five hundred thousand dollars you know he'd keep you know 350k or something right it's like the amount of actual money he's losing per episode is less than the amount that he's uh physically giving away as it is a deduction he once said his taxes are hella complicated because giving away money isn't the usual expense it w i i have no idea how that would be handled on today's episode i purchased the entire state of uganda lol the person that won the island, not going to say if people didn't watch the vid, had to sell the island because of the taxes rip. Of course you would. Why would you want the island? Who's even buying that island? Privacy? Peace? But there's like nothing there. Have you not heard that with all these things, these shows, where you, you win a car or whatever, there's always some um, uh, tax or whatever. In, in some, I've heard in some game shows or whatever, you have to say or sign a waiver or something to say that you'll be able to pay the tax or, or like if you can't pay the tax, you're not even allowed to get the the prize. But I suspect in most cases, the people who win these kinds of things just immediately sell it to get themselves um uh, the money. I mean, certainly having your own private island would be cool, but like you'd rather the money. My mistake about my taxes and streaming. How's the taxes working as a streamer? So I made a tactical error. Clearly I am well off now, right? And so, I made references in a previous stream, talking about, in, a, in an roundabout way, how much I paid in tax, right? And I didn't think that was a big deal. But then, like, you know, my father messages me. He's like, oh, yeah, the person I'm working with told me how much you're making now. Because, like, it's, if, if you, so, the roundabout way that I spoke about it, implied what I paid in tax and then you can do calculations to apply to understand how much money I made in the last financial year and like while I don't super care if people know that I mean if you're really committed you can make that calculation yourself just by watching my stream or having a general basic idea of revenue on YouTube but like I don't want people to come and kill me or rob me or some shit and the, the more open you are about your finances the more you worry that some person's gonna go, well, that guy, that guy has, you know, more than one penny. Let's go kill him and take his stuff. I know, I don't know how irrational that sounds, but while I'm here at all times, potentially warding away the possibility of me being robbed, I don't, I don't want to be sitting here thinking every creek is some guy coming to kill me because of something I said on the internet. You know, you just, you naturally have a little bit more risk of that kind of thing happening when you're a content creator and you're speaking to tens of thousands of people who could potentially get irrationally offended by something that you say. I just sh shouldn't make my life worse. I have an accountant, they handle my taxes. That's all I should say. US versus AU politics, ranting about Australian telecommunications again. How does AU politics compare to USA politics? So, seven years ago, Labour wanted to build themselves a partial fiber partial partial copper network they wanted to um improve the speeds of the country and everyone in tech every potential advisor said look dude there's there's no reason to keep that copper around it's it's just gonna 
hard cap the network, going to make it far more expensive to run the network, far harder to install. Uh, fiber is continuously reducing in its cost. You're much better off do doing fiber the premises for at least 90-ish percent of the country and then cover the rest with satellite. And Labour's like, okay, the, this is the advice of everyone in the know. We'll follow that advice. And the coalition's like, what? It's a good idea and economically feasible to give everyone fiber? Can we, like, not do that and claim it's better? Oh, yeah, let's do that then. Fuck them so-called experts. And so they, uh, so Labour was in power at the time. So they built themselves, uh, they got, got a bunch of contracts and uh, the, the fiber started to roll out. Rolled out to about 20% of the country. And then the coalition got in power. And immediately the first thing they did is tear up these contracts. Expensive to, to throw away these contracts. Um, have to delay the rolling out of the network for years. Renegotiating more contracts so that they can build themselves a partial copper, partial fiber network. The copper, of course, was largely already in the ground. Except it was all dilapidated. All terrible. For decades, it has been a common knowledge that the copper is on its last, last legs. But the coalition's like, nah, we're going to use it anyway. Because fuck common sense. Fuck the experts. We're going to do it anyway. Because it's going to be cheaper. They go with this plan uh, against the experts of the advice of literally everyone on the fucking planet. And so they just recently finished their rollout. Tearing up the entire fucking country to do it. And just two weeks ago, they announced, yes, yeah, so uh, we're going to be... Uh, Investing a few more billion dollars to uh, upgrade that the now half copper, half fiber network to full fiber. Just, just you know, we're just going to be doing that. And everyone's just like, you, are you fucking serious? You've lifted up the entire fucking country. You made the network 700 times more complicated than it had to be. Multi-technology. Increased the amount of in, uh, the fucking skills that the fucking people installing it need to have. You you went to all this effort. You argued for fucking seven years that it wasn't good to have full fiber. And now you're putting full fiber in? Are you fucking insane? They spent like $60 billion making a network that is that is arguably only worth like $15 billion now or some shit. Like it was, it was so mismanaged and they argued for so long against full fiber and now they're going full fiber? How is this fucking party in power? They wasted like $50 billion! They, they, they literally, if you want to simplify the whole thing, right? It was, there was someone selling apples. One apple for $4 or five apple for $5. Everyone from the age, like kindergarten up go, well, the, the, five, the five apples for $5 is the better value. And the coordination's like, no, 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 but that one apple for $4, that's cheaper. That's a, that's a cheaper apple. One apple for $4. Completely insane. But then later on now, the coalition has come back and realized that they need four more apples because they need five apples. But they've, so they've now purchased four more apples each being priced at $4. So they, they've spent $20, $20 on five apples when they could have just purchased five apples for $5 from the get-go. That is telecommunications in Australia. So if, if you want to summarize Amer Australian politics, there is a, a party that is amazingly incompetent. Or certainly a bunch of parties together to form the coalition. They're amazingly incompetent. Their only purpose and power is to funnel public assets to their donors. That is it. And that is all they've ever done. But, you know who runs the media in this fucking country? The donors to the coalition. So the, the, the media's like, the, the coalition's an amazing party, guys. Oh, that's money? Very good. Amazing party. It's amazing. And because most of Australia only gets their, their information from these mainstream media outlets, the coalition keeps getting elected.
just fucking looting public services, selling them off to the to the to their donors for the cheapest fucking price. And that's all they do. Fuck fuck anyone else who doesn't donate to the coalition. And that's Australian politics. There's nothing you can do about it. Because media consolidation in this country, because Murdoch owns so much of the fucking media in this country, there's nothing you can do about it. All you can do is bitch and moan. Because you can't fight the system currently. Like, I have equal ability to influence American politics and Australian politics. Equal ability, despite living in this country. And the American politics is at least far more funnier than the Australian politics. Maybe because I live here, the politics just seems so much fucking sadder. I don't know. What is the hardest thing you experience as a content creator? What's the hardest thing about streaming currently? Time, content creation, is there a lot of pressure to deliver entertainment and content while doing three to four hour streams? I put a lot more burden on myself than potentially other content creators do in that I try to convert all of my streamed footage into YouTube content. It's a, it's a lot to deal with. And you go to all this effort, working seven days a week, like 12 hours a day, every day. And it's really enjoyable, but it's really hard sometimes and frustrating sometimes because it never ends. Like it, it, it literally never ends. Generally speaking, the tasks that are the most easy to do are those that, or that are the most tolerable to do, are those that have a distinct end. Once this is over, this is over. But with content creation, it never ends. There is always a new video, a new project, a new thing. When I finish an episode of Pacifist, I'm like, yes, I finished an episode of Pacifist. Oh, there's like another seven more I need to do. It's overwhelming sometimes, but I enjoy it. And the perks of it are amazing. But I would say that's the hardest part. It's just juggling everything to, to get all the videos out and to stream as much as I want as well and meet all my goals I have for streaming and speed running and challenge runs and da da da. It's just, it's just a huge juggle. What do I like doing other than streaming and making YouTube videos? All I do other than make YouTube videos and stream is watch YouTube and Twitch. And I guess anime before I'm going to bed. I watch a combination of entertainment media and social commentary, uh, politics and, and philosophy and society and da da da. I don't really have any other hobbies other than that. And I see my doing this to be at least somewhat useful for the stream. I'm always caught up on, you know, the main current events. And they often have some new bit of media I'm watching to talk about. Or at least I did before I started watching One Piece. Because One Piece has just dominated most of my entertainment watching since, um, I guess the last couple of months. I'm on episode like 900 and something. Or is it 800 and something? But I'm like, I'm almost done. Like I'm 90% through the show. And the show has almost a thousand episodes. Struggling to complete my favorite childhood game. I have footage of me playing one of my favorite games as a kid on stream. It's called Jewel Master. I never finished it as a kid, but I decided to play it on stream and finish it. I got to the final level, versing the final boss. And I was like, this is insane. How could you ever beat this boss? Oh, it must be one of those things where they made the final bosses just really, really difficult because they weren't sucking coins at arcades or whatever. But I kept kept trying and trying. I couldn't beat this boss. I'm like, this, this is insane. Am I even doing damage to this boss? I used save states because I was that pissed. I just made a save state and, and just to do maximum damage and stuff. Because I was using an emulator, just loading save states. I still couldn't beat it. I'm like, this is this is insane. I had to Google how to beat this boss. And it turned out that the only way to beat the boss was the reason why it's called Jewel Master is because you combine different jewels on your hands to perform different spells. And 
if you combine the four strongest gems, understand no other spell in the game requires four gems. If you put all four of the most powerful gems in particular slots, it grants you this special like light blade. And I was like, oh, so I did that. And then I three hit the final boss. I must have spent at least an hour, more than that, even when just doing save states over and over again. Like, why isn't it dying? Ah! And just one, two, three. Oh. <laughs> like, I'm assuming like it's it's like a riddle or something in like the intro cutscene or whatever. Combining the four gems of power. Or maybe it was in the manual or something. I don't know. <laughs> I was really pissed. Please release it. Uh, I'm sure it, it wouldn't be that and sending a video. The annoyance of buying the new generation of hardware. Anyone in chat managed to snag a 3080, 3090 Xbox or PlayStation? I mean the new ones. I would love to get this stuff so I can show some of you guys it, but I, uh... It's annoying when, as a consumer, you don't just need to have the money to pay for a good. You have to jump through hoops to be able to purchase it. Like, if I wanted to get a 3090 in my country, uh, the only people who had any stock, like, at all, was M-Wave. I'm, I'm saying literally they were the only people who were given anything from NVIDIA. And so high was the demand that they made it so it was a raffle. You had to win a bloody raffle to have the the privilege of buying the product. That's insane. From what I've heard though, it isn't uh, artificial scarcity. It's just leg legitimately that they're hard products to make with a finite uh, amount of materials and stuff. And so that, um, that prevents them from just throwing out tons to everyone and I just have to wait like everyone else. The Founders Edition is the best this time round, even in, in the benchmarks. Because, uh, as I've mentioned before, NVIDIA didn't use the reference spec. They, you know, built upon the reference spec as normally the third-party people do. And theirs is just better. And so I'm trying to get my hands on a Founders Edition card. I hope it's not in limited supply. As in, like, I hope they continue to make it rather than just giving it to, um, uh, letting third parties do it. So desperate I was, was I for a 3090, I contacted uh, M-Wave and I was like, Hey, yo, uh, wanna do some sponsorship thing or whatever? You just, I'll, I'll pay for it still, just, you know, I can like advertise your, your website or some shit. I just wanted one. The 3090 is out though? Yeah, but the, you can't get it anywhere. Apparently, uh, 3090 and 3080 stock is gonna be out, like, until, even into 2021. And clearly NVIDIA doesn't want it to be this way, like, at this point, for every single one they- like, it's just printing money. The demand is far outstripping supply. Every single one they can make, the more money they make. I don't know why they were so surprised at the high demand though, considering, like, the- the 20 series was garbage. It wasn't much of an improvement over the 10 series, and, uh, especially for the price. But the 30 series is, like, a significant improvement. Like, imagine if you held off and didn't get the 20 series and you stuck with the 10 series. How much of an improvement are you going to have going from 10 series to the 30 series? Like, for an equivalent card, for an equivalent price, you're like doubling, tripling performance, whatever it is, you know? So it's a huge improvement. The 30, 3090, uh, no, the 3090 isn't much better than 3080. No, but 3080, the 3080, 3070, amazing value. Buying a 3090 doesn't make sense for basically anyone. I'm only getting it because it's a business expense. And because there's no reason for me not to. There's literally nothing else I want. Basically, the only things I spend a lot of money on, other than things to maintain myself, are PC parts so I can make my content look better. Every additional bit of processing power I can uh, 
make things look better. I can have less issues with um, new games or uh, can reduce the amount of time I spend rendering stuff and stuff, you know? I am streaming in 900p, but I'm recording in 1440p. I can't stream higher than 900, uh, 900p. I would if I could. Can only have 8k bitrate. 900p at 8k bitrate looks better than 1080p at 8k bitrate in high motion scenes. When all your graphics card is doing is making the game look a little bit better for you, why would you spend more money? I've said before, if I wasn't a content creator, I would still have like a 1070, maybe a 2060 at this point. But considering that I'm not the only person seeing my graphics, millions of people are seeing my graphics. When I buy a graphics card, it doesn't improve the ex gameplay experience just for me. It improves it for literally a million people a month. And when it reduces uh, my rendering times for different things by a small amount as well, saving me time, it effectively pays for itself in the long term. Like, my most valuable thing right now is time. Listening to Trash Taste talk about it, because they're YouTubers, comparing their, um, their experiences working other jobs compared to being a YouTuber. And they all, of course, said, yeah, being a YouTuber is the best job possible. Uh, or, or, like, they wouldn't trade, trade it for anything. But time-wise, when you're self-employed or a YouTuber or whatever, like, you work so much longer than any other job where you're working for someone else. Like you're, there's never downtime. You're always on, you know? Any moment that I'm waiting for something is just time that I could be spending doing something else that is actually important. The reason why I don't have a Threadripper is because I don't have a two PC setup. Or at least in terms of that, I, I don't have a workstation and a gaming setup. Threadrippers do not do as well in games. It's not like you're going to have a bad gaming experience on the most recent line of Third Rippers. But if you care about games and having a workstation as, as one system, a 30, 3950X is the best thing you can have by now. AMD's new line of CPUs, the uh, 5000 series, uh, it's going to be even better. Like currently with the 3000 series of CPUs from AMD, you're taking a, a small hit of like, let's say, five or ten percent or something in in gaming fps so that you can massively improve your work performance Shit. by comparison to intel but with the 5000 series they're going to be even better in gaming than intel's current offering while also being astronomically better in terms of the um performance for, for uh, work and stuff be sure to like the video and subscribe to my channel it costs you nothing and i wish you all the best